Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Ebony Williams is a speech-language pathologist in private practice based in North Carolina. She started her private practice with one client, as we all do, but now she has grown her practice to serve 460 clients in just a few years. Ebony was on the podcast once before in an episode that was very popular and was all about daycare screenings. And now that some time has gone by and Ebony's business has grown even more, I knew that I had to invite her back for another episode. In this episode, she talks about how she started her private practice on a shoestring budget, how she thinks about investing in her business, an update about how daycare screenings have been a big contributor to her growth, her thoughts and suggestions on hiring and retaining staff, and her recent 40 Under 40 award. We had some connection issues during the recording, so even if the audio quality of this episode isn't as good, the content is gold. So make sure that you listen. Ebony is a force of nature, and there's so many value bombs throughout this episode. If you have big dreams for your private practice, this episode is a must-listen, so stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? So I'm Ebony Williams. I am the owner and speech pathologist with Affinity Therapy Services, and I'm located in Fayetteville, North Carolina, right outside of Fort Bragg. So Ebony, this is going to be a great episode because this is actually the second time that you have been on the show. And I remember the first time that you were on the show, you shared an amazing strategy for picking up clients at mass screenings, right? You went from zero to 26 clients using the strategy and you shared it. But the problem was, is that we did that interview on March 8th, 2020. So right as the pandemic was starting, was right when we had shared this awesome strategy, which is an in-person kind of a strategy, right? And so what I would love to hear is 
what happened in terms of your growth, right? You had just gotten started and then you started to grow, and but then the pandemic happened. So fill in the listeners about what the last two and a half years has been like for your practice. So March 8th was a week before everything shut down. Surprisingly, I did not slow down, though, at that time. Because the mass screenings really helped, a lot of therapists were not willing to go into the environment any longer. I had to figure out how to pivot very quickly. So the interesting thing is that I grew the most during COVID. And I grew the most during COVID because I decided that I was going to fire myself from doing what I don't know how to do or what I don't like to do, which is actually using the computer. So I pivoted and I found a friend who, because of COVID, lost his job and was looking for something else to do. And I said, hey, do you know how to do teletherapy? And is that something you might be interested in? You can work from home. I've already done these screenings. I already have the kids. And at this time, there was no one else really doing that yet. I had just happened to see the CDC guidance about telemedicine, and I just knew that it was coming They were private pay anyway, so it didn't really matter. It was cool. So I asked my friend if he wanted to do that. That turned out to be my first employee. And so he grew the teletherapy side of my business essentially for me. So as I was doing the screenings, I was passing them along to him. And then as the daycares, they still didn't close all the way yet at this point. Parents started freaking out because schools were closing. And so they're like, how are we going to finish speech? What are we going to do? Because I was already in some of these environments, it was just a natural progression for them to start reaching out to us. And that's where my waiting list started. I really liked how you saw what was coming and you said, listen, we got to come up with a solution for this really quickly. And I've interviewed a couple people on the show who did that exact same thing, right? They saw what was coming. They read the tea leaves. They made a very quick decision that turned out to be a really good one in terms of being able to continue to serve the clients during this period of upheaval. So what happened next? After that, we started growing the teletherapy side pretty quickly. And then I became in network with some insurance companies. So namely in my area, which is actually something I want to tell the listeners to do. It's a piece of advice about this. Just put a pin in it and remind me to tell you. (laughs) Basically, I went and networked with the few most popular insurances in the area. And I knew that everyone was starting to cover teletherapy. And so I basically just came up with a system that we would do online or virtual evaluations and virtual therapy. And it basically just became a system where I ended up at that point, this was maybe I guess about September, schools again were closed. This was the beginning of the school year. Schools were closed. I had a wait list and only one employee. I was able to hire three additional employees out of that. And all of them were virtual. And so I basically thought that the company was just going to become a virtual company. And so I started looking into expansion and things like that, but it didn't happen that way. That's basically how it continued to grow. And then it snowballed once the school started opening again. And once we were able to go back into daycares and I did the screening thing again, I started reaching out to the same old people that I reached out to before. And hey, 
these kids fell behind with COVID. I know they're coming back. I know they have to wear masks. And there's some evidence that shows that some of these kids are going to end up a little delayed. Do you want us to jump in before it gets to that point? They said, yes, of course, come on in. We'll let you come in, but no one else. And so I did. And then we started doing in-person therapy as they allowed in the daycare setting and then also in the homes. So at this point, this was maybe a year and a half into COVID. Maybe at that point, at that point, I had about five or six employees and still a growing wait list. (laughs) And it was just, it just kept going. Honestly, it just kept going from there. So now to date, as of now, we are in private schools, we are in daycare centers, we are in the homes, and we also have a private clinic. And we still have the teletherapy section. I have two therapists that do only virtual. And so they work from home. That's what they really like. And I like being able to give them that. And then everyone else, about four of them are actually in the field and they drive to people's homes and daycare centers. And then I have two in the actual office and we're hiring again because we still have a wait list. <laughs> so that is unbelievable. So how many people do you have working for you and how many sessions are you doing? I have eight therapists. Myself, I have an assistant who is also actually, believe it or not, she's remote. She's amazing. And I have, of those people, a few of them are speech therapy assistants. North Carolina does allow that. Everyone else are fully licensed SLPs. And then I also do include myself in the number because I do work in the company as well, minimally, but I do work in the company. And so I guess about eight or nine. That's fantastic. And right before we hopped on, you looked up the amount of families that you've served year to date. And at the time of this recording, it's July. You remember what that number was? I'm actually surprised myself. (laughs) But year to date, we've serviced 460 patients. That is a big number. That is a lot of families and children that you have been able to help in their lives. And you still have a wait list? I do. Our wait list, I don't even really know how long to tell people to wait. We don't really give that number because it's hard to guess, especially being in a military community. But as of today, when I talked to my assistant, I think we have like maybe 76 kids on the wait list. So I can easily hire several more pretty simply. So, But that's a huge need, right? And I think that this, there's still a lot of people who are questioning whether there's a need for services, right? There's still... People who are like, should I do private practice? Is, are there enough people who need it? And then you hear stories like this and you're like, oh my goodness, there are so many people who are on wait lists or going without services and really need our help. So my opinion is that it's still a great time to be in private practice. In my opinion, it's the best time to be in private practice. And the reason why I'm saying that is actually a few different reasons. The main thing is that There is a great resignation happening with people who wanted more flexibility of their schedule. They wanted to make more money. COVID made people, they call it the great resignation. I call it the great reset in some ways because we realized what was really important to us. And that also made me really think about what my employees needed and what trying to retain and attract really good talent. So what I did 
all employees that work for us, they all have four-day work weeks. They can choose what day it is that they want off. They have unlimited PTO. And that's honestly just so that they can communicate with me. It's not unlimited, meaning they can take as much time as they ever want. It is, hey, I need some time off. I want to go on vacation. I'm feeling burned out. And instead of them saying, but I only have one day, and then they're starting to burn out, they can take the time that they need. And I can say, okay, yeah, you could take four days off, but can you try to work that fifth day or whatever it is that needs to be done? We try to keep things very graduation. We do show up to weddings. We do those things. And the reason is because like my re- our retention rate is greater. I've not lost one person since I started my company. Everybody who started with me is still with me, except I had one or two independent contractors that did evals during that teletherapy period that only wanted two or three evals a week. I had a wait list. I was happy to give them that. But my full-time people, I really just want to make sure that they have what they need and that they're not feeling the need to be a part of the great resignation. With that being said, as a private practice owner, I challenge people to really think about that. And not only to think about that for themselves, but also for their employees, that their future employees that they may want to hire. It's a great time to go into private practice. There's so much, especially after COVID, I grew the most during COVID. I can't compare it to anything because I only started a few days before COVID hit. However, I can say that if anyone is really thinking of going into private practice, the best thing you can do is to at least try. You'll probably surprise yourself, to be totally honest, at how much people really need you as well as how much impact you can really have that makes your passion grow even more. Even if you don't have a passion for speech, but you have a passion for changing lives, you're doing that on so many different levels, whether it's from your employees or whether it's from your patients or even yourself. So I would definitely encourage anyone who wants to do it to go ahead and do it. There is one thing, though, I did say put a pin in. And while we're on the topic, I do want to give this one piece of advice as far as the insurance situation that we were talking about. There are websites out there that track what insurance companies are most popular in your area. What I did was when I was looking to go in network, I looked to see what were the top three insurances that people were using in my area and I went in network with them. I did not just shoot it in the dark and say, oh, it's Blue Cross, oh, it's whatever. I looked at who was the greatest and highest employer in this area, which in our case here is a military base. So therefore I need to go and network with TRICARE and the hospital. So therefore I needed to find out who the hospital's insurance was, as well as the school system. I would advise people, especially with COVID happened, having happened, to be very careful of private pay only because as we're heading into a recession, And as we are heading into people wanting to work more from home, incomes are shifting and changing. And if you want to secure your income, in my opinion, it is better to secure it through taking insurance where your money is much more guaranteed. I totally agree with you. And I think that that is excellent advice, again, from a business owner that is thinking ahead. This is the second time during this interview in the last 15 minutes or however long it's been that you have looked into the future 
seen what's coming and made adjustments for your company or for your staff, like with that in mind. And I think that's one of the things is that as business owners, we don't want to get caught off guard, right? We want to be prepared for different things to have happen. And so I think that's excellent advice as you're right, as we're heading into this recession. The other thing I really liked that you talked about was just your commitment to being an excellent employer. I think that we can all think about bad bosses that we've had in the past, right? And think about negative work situations. And there's so many SLPs who, when they're thinking about private practice, they are like, but I don't want to be a boss. I don't want to have employees, right? That that sounds complicated or whatever. But I really urge people to think about, be as your practice grows, really the only way to grow it is to bring people into the business. But that you can be that employer for somebody else that you always wished that you had for yourself. And so it really sounds like you're really taking a great role in helping just truly be an excellent employer for the people who work for you. Yeah, I really wanted to make sure that they had someone they can go to even on, I wouldn't say personal issues, but if they're feeling burned out, everyone knows that the fastest way to get out of therapy is through burnout. So what I needed to do in order to prevent that was do what no one else in the area was doing, which is give everyone a four-day work week. If they had a four-day work week, what happens is they can choose what day they want that to be. That day has to be consistent. We can't change it back and forth. I'm sorry, we can't do that. But if, let's say, everyone wants, they want a Friday off, the good thing about that, to be totally honest, the good thing about that is, is that they look forward to Friday being off, that they work really hard during the week. I rarely have anyone wanting to call out sick. I rarely have, if they are sick, they can go to the virtual option. That saves me too. If they are traveling and they still want to work a little bit, they can. Holidays, they get holidays off as well. That was something that I didn't get from my previous employers. I also, we give a week or two weeks off at Christmas time. Reason being because we had so many cancellations during that time anyway, that they were frustrated by their financial situation and give them that time off. Just have to make sure that your profit margins are where they need to be so that you can afford to do those things. We still don't have any debt on the company. I still don't use credit cards and all of these things. So it is possible for you to do this and for you to grow without having such a heavy burden on you. Please don't be afraid to jump in because it, it can be difficult. Yes, at times, because it's a lot of pressure in some ways, but just think about what it is that you wanted and what it is that you needed and give people that and you will have the loyalty from your both patients. The patients are much happier. We have great reviews. We have very good retention rates. It's a win-win situation. I'd rather give up a little in order to gain a lot. Yeah. Definitely would encourage people to jump in. Yeah. And I love that. And I really like thinking about this whole situation of being an employer. One of the things that I wanted to share for those of you who are in the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group, right, which is our big Facebook group. We've got, I don't know, 25,000 people in there. But Ebony, you have posted some posts that have gone viral in that group, right? In terms of setbacks that you've overcome. And then recently you messaged me to tell me 
you had received an honor and you didn't want to post it. And I said, no, please post it. So can you actually share what that honor was and a little bit about maybe why you were hesitant to share it, but why you're happy that you did it anyway? So I recently was nominated and selected as our area's top 40 people under 40 years old. So I was very honored to be given that acknowledgement, to be honest, because I've worked really hard to give clients, patients, my staff, everybody, everything that they could ever need, including great communication skills, and to finally be acknowledged for something that I did right was a very good acknowledgement. I was hesitant to share because I do still suffer a lot from imposter syndrome. I still question sometimes, am I, you know, am I good enough? Did I really deserve it? Did they just not have someone better that they could have chosen? I still go through that. And I don't find that to be After I really think about it, I don't find that to be a bad thing because it does make me challenge myself and look at my thoughts. The biggest thing with entrepreneurship is that you're going to learn so much more about yourself than you never knew about yourself. (laughs) So I've had to really learn about where those areas of insecurities are and where those areas of strengths are and actually really work on them. It's been a, a wonderful journey of personal growth in a lot of ways. So it's hesitant to share because I didn't want people to say, oh, she's bragging or, and I told you, I was like, I won this, just wanted to tell you, just wanted to share. She's sharing it with people that I know, but don't tell anybody. And you were like, you need to tell people. And I was like, no, I don't. And you're like, yes, you do. If you don't tell, I will. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I'm glad I did because there's so many people who became inspired and encouraged by my story of, I I wouldn't call, it's not a rags to riches story in any way, shape or form, but I definitely went through a lot just in life, my adult life in general, and my journey to private practice and to be acknowledged and for other people to become inspired was really inspiring for me too, to even continue going and striving and trying to reach new heights. I always say the only nail that I'm going to break are the ones that's attaching the glass ceiling. Those are the only nails that I'm agreeing to break. So I will go ahead and and break through and let this imposter syndrome I get sometimes help encourage me to continue to do that. Oh, man. I'm so happy that you did because I think sometimes people hold back when they have things like that happen because they're worried about judgment, right? They're worried about people thinking, like confirming those awful imposter syndrome thoughts. But the reason why I'm so adamant about people in my communities sharing their wins is because we have to show ourselves what's possible, right? If something is possible, like how many SLPs are making it on this 40 under 40 list? Probably not that many. That's the kind of thing that when you look at those lists, it's lawyers or doctors or I don't know, advertising people, whatever software engineers, I feel these are really underrepresented in those types of lists. So my goodness, when one of us ends up on that list, we got to shout it from the rooftops so that people know that it is possible to be an SLP and end up with some acknowledgement that you've built this amazing business. Yeah, I totally agree. And even at the reception, 
there was actually a speech pathologist there who came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, I always wanted to do what you're doing. And it was so great to meet someone like you. And I'm just an office manager. And I was like, you're not just anything. Don't say that. You're amazing. If you want to do it, there's no competition with anyone except yourself. Just if you want to do it, then do it. So we're going to have lunch in a few weeks. I love that. I think that's really important just to, again, just show people what's possible. And then when they reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you did that, right? Then it does really show people that like if someone else can do it, that they can do it too. So I'm really happy that you shared. And I forgot to look before, there was hundreds of likes on that post and hundreds of comments saying, thank you for sharing. This is so inspirational all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when people are doing amazing things, I want people to share about it because we are all capable of amazing things unless we hold back. And that's something that I've yeah. always heard about imposter syndrome is it usually starts to crop up when you're on the verge of getting to the next level. That's when it comes around. And if you listen to it, it really can hold you back from doing whatever that next level thing is, right? So be paying attention to when it crops up. And if you could acknowledge, oh my gosh, it's because I'm about to level up in some way, then you can just tell that pesky imposter syndrome to go away. <laughs> Watch what I'm about to do next. That's right. My dad used to always tell me, you'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And it was something else he said to me, even just recently, he was telling me that congratulations, you made it through 100% of your bad day. And so always look forward because you've made it through. So if you have no confidence in anything else, know that you've made it through all of your days up until this point. 100% of your days, you made it. Yeah, totally. I love that. I love that. One of the things we had talked about before we started recording was basically tips to get started on a shoestring budget. That's something that you're really passionate about. And I remember that Doing the daycare screenings was a really low-cost marketing strategy. Do you have any other suggestions that people can do as far as getting started on a shoestring or low-budget ideas? Still do free screenings. I know that it goes around. People say all the time, how much should I charge? How much should I charge? I don't charge anything. And the reason why is that if you take out a sheet of paper, right, you take out a sheet of paper and you collect $5 from five kids, right? That's 25 bucks. But those are the people who actually remembered to bring their money to school that day or they were able to go to the ATM. The tooth fairy forgets to leave money under the pillow because we don't carry cash anymore. So with that being said, I do it for free. And if you take out your calculator and you really look at, okay, if I can do five kids for 25 bucks and that equals to me, let's say $5,000, or I can do 50 kids for free and that's going to lead me to $50,000, which one would you choose? So for me, I'm okay with taking the minimal sacrifice of doing them for free. Also, it really helps because it gives the understanding and impression that you really do care. The places where you're going in to do this will not look at you as a money-making engine, but more as a partnership in the children's success. 
when you're offering to do things for free for them. It also gives them the opportunity to refer people to you, especially lower income. Remember, for a lot of people's bread and butter in private practices through Medicaid, that's one big place for you to start looking when you're looking for clients, especially to do them for free. Going into low-income communities where other people may not want to go. Don't be afraid to go there. That is my best advice to start off your business and make money from day one, day 10. That's the first thing. The second thing that I would definitely recommend doing is going ahead and getting in network with the top few insurance companies in your area. Because if you're in network, you can then start calling doctor's offices and letting them know that you're accepting patients and you don't have a wait list. When you do that, you'll start getting clients automatically without you ever having to do additional marketing. That's another way to do that for free. Remember, we're looking for things that we don't have to pay for. The other thing that I have done is when my employees start working with me, I give them all a t-shirt. And on their t-shirt has, and I have one too, one of the best places you can find kids is going to the playground. Take your kids to the playground and wear a shirt. The shirt that I have says, I help people talk. (laughs) And it's very basic. And it has, I'm an SLP on the back. And then on the front, I help people talk. You would not imagine how many people come up to you asking questions like, what do you think about my kid? There you go. Hopefully you're in network now with those three top companies of insurance and you can do a screening for free right there with the kid your speech pathologist you could tell when someone's behind and when they're not that's a perfect way to do it so there's a lot of ways that you can market yourself for free I still to this day after however many years it's been which is two or three I still haven't spent anything on marketing nothing and I won't because it works These also getting involved with some homeschool groups in your area. They're really good resources. Facebook is a great place for that. Just start searching homeschool groups in your area and get in there and start asking questions, giving facts, fun facts, responding to people's messages, asking if anyone wants to have you take a look for free. Call private schools. I would stay away from public schools because they have their own people, but call the area private schools in your area and find out, do they have an SLP? Do they want a free screening for all of their grades, specifically the little ones, the younger ones? Do they want you to do an in-service for free? Try not to charge people to do some of the things that are going to be bringing you income. If it's going to bring you money in the end, it's okay to take the minimum sacrifice. I really like how you did that math for people. I think that's one of the things that SLPs really get stuck on when they're at least first starting their business is really to start to think like a business owner and think about return on investment. Is that a lot of times when people start, they really think, how much is that going to cost? So like, for example, how much is the EMR going to cost or how much are business cards going to cost or how much are, you know, any number of these things going to cost? Rather exactly what you did is what is the potential return on investment of either spending some money or what you're talking about, which is more spending time. And so I'm really happy that you shared how you think about return on investment for both spending money, but also spending time. 
And then as you continue to grow, my next set of advice would be is don't forget to fire yourself. It is okay to fire yourself frequently. So in the very beginning, you might be doing a lot of work on your own. If I started by myself, I just talked to a daycare owner, lady there at the daycare, and I asked her, do you want me to take a look at a few kids? She said, sure. And I did. And that just continued to grow to now where we are as large. We're still a small business, in my opinion, but we've grown as much as we have. And I've had to fire myself. I can't, there's no way I can do answer all the phone calls and do all the authorizations and do all those things. I've had to fire myself along the way. And that gives me the freedom that I really was looking for going into private practice. I really don't want to spend my time doing things I don't want to do. I want to spend my time doing things I love to do, like talking to you, like helping the people in the group, like working with certain types of clients. That's the kind of stuff that I like to do. So I've had to fire myself from a lot of the business stuff and give it to someone who's really good at it. And they're passionate about those things. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about staying in your zone of genius, right? There's lots of things that when we first start our businesses, we wear all of the hats, right? But eventually, like you have so many hats on your head. And what happens is that hats start falling off, right? And whether you think about it as dropping the ball or whatever. It's like you can only do so much that if you don't start delegating, if you don't start hiring people to do things for you, even if you can do them, you're probably not going to do them as well or as quickly as someone who's really good at whatever that thing is. Yeah, I'm a big fan of firing yourself. I've fired myself from many things (laughs) in the business. It's a huge difference. It does. It makes a huge difference. And I think That's one thing that we don't want to always do because they're afraid of someone else messing up. That's where you have to create those systems that we talked about earlier so that they can be easily duplicated by anybody who comes in to your business. Making things as simple as humanly possible so that a baby can do it is pretty much what you want to do. So I definitely enjoy this part (laughs) of the practice. And I really enjoy talking to people and dealing with other people, but I've had to fire myself from the things that I don't like doing billing. So I've had to figure that part out. The other piece of advice that I meant to say too about the shoestring budget, don't bite off more than you can chew up front. Yes, you'll need an EMR. Yes, you'll need a fax machine or a fax system. Yes, you'll need all of these things, but you don't need it day one. The only thing you need day one is a skill that you already have. Once you actually figure that you need something, then get it. Don't go and take a credit card and max it out trying to get an office space and all these things. You don't need to do that yet. Just start where you are and grow from there. Don't bother trying to be bigger than you are. It's okay to take baby steps and take strategic Risk, strategize your way through, but do not jump straight in with a whole lot of debt trying to figure out how to market and buying all of these extra materials. We're speech pathologists. We should know how to walk into a client's home and play with their doll babies and do therapy out of it. We don't need to order and buy every material known to man because the school systems that we used to work in have all the materials known to men. We don't need that. So it's okay to start small 
get those things as you need them. If you have a client with fluency, okay, we got a client with fluency, schedule them for two weeks out because now you need to order the SSI. But you don't need to do that day one. So just start. Just start where you are. Do some things for free. Take two hours. Maybe you don't even have to do that. Cold call a few daycare centers. Walk into the daycare centers and just introduce yourself. Ask them if they'd be willing to let you do anything for free for them. You'll find out of 10 no's, you're going to find probably three yeses. And that's where you start. And that it just grows from there. A lot of daycare providers and owners, like they know each other too, right? So it's like sometimes words spread. Maybe one group said no because they didn't think that someone would be so kind to offer, like it might sound fishy to them or something. And then they hear from another daycare owner that they're like, oh no, like Ebony's fantastic. You should say yes. And so all of a sudden they're saying yes. So I think sometimes too, people get so nervous if they get a no. And I think that a no means- oh, no cry again <laughs> right but no just let the no make you mad to where you're like someone's gonna tell me yes <laughs> someone's gonna tell me yes but let me tell you the other thing earlier I talked about going into environments that other people don't want to go into one place that people rarely ever think about are in-home daycares I've had some of the best kids at in-home daycares there are websites if you go through your state's I guess they have licensing for daycare, in-home daycare licensing. You can just pretend like you're a parent and look up all of the daycare providers in your area that are in-home, especially the new ones. They are begging for kids to come for them to babysit (laughs) or for them to take care of while the parents go to work. That's where they can market saying, we have a speech therapist in our facility. We have a speech therapist that can work with your kid. If your kid needs speech, we it's fine. We're good. So that's one little known area too. And a lot of them have the ratios of six or seven kids. You might find four or five of them right there. It's not impossible. That just shows you being resourceful and thinking about where some maybe untapped territories. And I like what you said about that. that's really a win for the daycare, right? For the daycare to be able to tell prospective parents like, hey, and if your child needs speech, we can offer that through this daycare. All of a sudden, that is really a win for the parents, whether or not their kid needs services. They're just happy to know that it's an option. It's a win for the daycare owner. And it's obviously a win for you, too. So that's really a great way for you to create goodwill for people in the area. I love it. Another question, this idea of networking. And a lot of times, again, SLPs are like, oh, I don't want to do any networking. That sounds, I don't know. I just, I don't want to do networking. But what kind of networking have you been able to do that has felt good to you and has also helped you with the business? Believe it or not, I'm actually pretty shy. But what I've done is I've joined different boards in my area. I'm also a part of a few organizations. For example, my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is AKA, you know, I'm a part of that. And also Jack and Jill of America, I'm a part of that. And those are other business owners and mothers and things like that. They're also very good resources for me to be able to use. I also sit on the board of a partnership for children. That has been a huge help for me 
And anywhere that I can volunteer, I try to do so, whether it's taking food to a homeless shelter or helping out at church or something like that. Because when people find that you're relatable, they tend to trust you more. And it's also the same thing. I'll wear that same t-shirt we talked about to the playground to my daughter's dance class. And I've gotten four kids out of her dance class from that. So networking naturally for me, because I am, I do tend to be a little bit more, I don't know. I was still, I don't really always know what to say to start conversations. I let like my shirt start it for me sometimes, but sitting on some of these organizations, the boards and being a part of community organizations, really, they help a lot. They really do, especially for people and who's going to refer to you out. And it's really a way to make connections in a way that also is sometimes more of a small group setting. I'm also consider myself to be shy and an introvert, which everyone is really. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. But I can totally see how doing something like being on a board is, first of all, it's a way to give back to the community, right? Some most boards are free, some are paid, but a lot of times like it also elevates your status a little bit where people are like, oh my goodness, you're on the board of a children's organization. That must mean that you're really committed to children and whatever else, right? So it's a really nice way to do it. That may not be why you do it, but it's a great way to, it's a good benefit too, right? It's a great benefit. The other thing that I do a lot of too is there's through your chamber of commerce or I think it's called that, the Chamber of Commerce in your area, they have a lot of times like free business development courses that you can take. So I actually applied for a few of them after the 40 under 40 situation. I was invited to apply for a few of them where they basically develop you as a community leader. And so there we go. There's more networking there. It's free. They also have a lot of courses too through like Cornell and some other universities for business that people can take. And in those, you start networking with other professionals as well that may or may not be in your state, but it doesn't matter because we're only like a few degrees of separation from someone else that someone else may know that can get to know you. And so it's really important to be involved in your community in almost any way possible. Yes, you should give back. And that's really why I do it. And our reputation is beginning to speak for that. Gaining the trust of of our community and gaining the trust of our clients and the parents, I always want them to feel we do things for free, but we also are growing as a business. And so with that, it shows them that we actually really care about not only the community, but the children that we serve. The first thing I tell parents when I finally decide to do evaluations sometimes, but when I do evaluations and I meet the parents, I always tell them, I'm not going to put your child with someone I wouldn't trust with my own. I'm not going to treat your child any differently than I would treat my own. The same passion I have for success for my own children, I hold for you as well. So if you have any difficulties, if you're not comfortable, if you don't like something, if you love something, let me know. Here's my phone number. Contact me. Keep me posted. I'll see them also. And I go up to a board meeting and who do I see walking in the building? That same person. So it's really important for it to be a full circle for you to really give back, to put in what you want to get out of it, but also to do it genuinely. This is not a business to go into just to make money. You don't want to do that because you're dealing with children or adult in that case. 
and dealing with their lives. And it really does matter to the family. So try to put yourself in their position as well. And that's really the driving force behind everything that we do. I love it. You have given so many amazing tips and shared your story. And I just can't thank you enough for being here. Before we wrap up, do you have any last minute things that we didn't get to talk about that you want to make sure that you share on the show? Not really. I Like I said, the main thing is, and I can't say it enough, please do not go bankrupt trying to start your business. It is not necessary. You do not have to do that. You do not have to go get a business loan. You do not have to go and get a big building. You don't have to do any of those things. Please, we are going into a recession. Tap into the resources that are there. Tap into what is free. Give back and do it genuinely and it will come to you. I promise you, it'll come. Awesome. Wonderful sage advice from a woman who has grown her business to a pretty big level in a short period of time. Thank you again, Ebony, for being on the show and sharing your story and these amazing tips. And hopefully we'll do this again in, let's say, another two years or two and a half years. And who knows what your practice will be like at that point. Yeah, hopefully I'll be retired in Tahiti, but we'll see. (laughs) I'll be telling you all about what it's like living there. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thanks, Ray. That absolutely may be where you are. So again, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Okay, thank you. Don't you just love Ebony? I love her so much that I wanted to bring her back for another episode. She is a savvy businesswoman who is thriving in private practice and is also helping her clients, their families, and her staff thrive too. She is a perfect example of someone who has built a private practice that is serving a huge need in the community. Whether you want a large private practice like Ebony's or a small one, we can help you. To learn more about our programs and how we support SLPs and OTs at all phases of the private practice journey, please visit independentclinician.com. As always, thank you for listening, and please tune in next week for another episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Till then. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.